you ever feel like life is too crazy busy? Sure. Sometimes you feel like it's out of control. Okay, maybe. Uh, do you ever find yourself wearied from time to time? I do. And have you noticed that our culture is not really good at, at like saying, hey, chill, rest, you should take a nap, like you should go to bed on time or something like that. Or, uh, yeah. It seems like our culture encourages us to be doing all the time instead of being. I even wonder if we know what the word being might imply. Ooh. Uh, I'd like to um, read you a few snippets uh, out of a book that Carol, my wife, and I uh, have read. It's called Little House on the Freeway. Now, it's supposed to draw the contrast with something that you might know from children's literature, Little House on the... Yeah. So, like, comparing the nice, slower, let's exist pace of that older book to the how are we going to get through life today of um, the newer book, Little House on, on the Freeway? The pace is different. And our author, whose name is Kimmel, says, our artificially created expectations ring rest from our hearts. They squeeze. Did you see the squeeze? Squeeze out joy and leave our lives dry and brittle. Uh, Little House on the Freeway takes a look at the breakneck speed at which we live and reveals how um, not only to put on the brakes, but how to take the exit ramp off the freeway. An interesting place to go. Huh. There's another great book uh, called Margin by a guy named Dr. Swanson. I forget his first name. Um, we're going to just call him Dr. That's what I call my doctor. He says this, and maybe listen carefully to this. Our love affair with spending is one of the main reasons we have no wiggle room, no margin. Yet we have lost interest in the discussion about caution and restraint. We want all that we can get. Does that sound like our culture? This is a medical doctor who is studying the, the effect of stress on our lives and the f uh, frenetic pace we choose to live at as American culture. Uh, I, uh, Dr. Swanson says two helpful things. We might even have them on a slide. Um, he says, we do not rest because our work is done. We rest because God commands it and created us to need it. Did you know that you're designed to have regular rest? Sure. You feel that when you're doing an all-nighter, don't you? You begin to realize, oh, I feel weird. <laughs> and secondly, he says, all people have within their grasp much to be thankful for. And he argues that a life of grumbling, because we've set it up to be uh, grumbling-inducing, because we try to cram too much into any day. We have too many goals. We have too many expectations of how much we can get out of life, squeeze out of a day. Because we've set it up that way, we grumble. Instead of living at a, uh, maybe a healthier pace where we actually have time to realize we did get something done. 
We did. We stopped long enough and enjoy what we just did. And we're thankful for it. Uh, you know, a long time ago, it must have been generations ago, people uh, learned to count their blessings. Oh, is that a skill that maybe this generation has forgotten and might want to learn? To stop long enough and to say thank you. And that was cool. Okay, can I tell you a story about how I really needed to slow down once? Okay, I can tell you about 500 stories. I'm a man of my culture. <clears throat> okay, I'm, I'm young. Imagine. And I'm married to Carol, and we have three kids in the Ellensburg Christian School. Still exists in this town. We helped start that school. And we were at this fundraiser on a Saturday where we're um, working the machines that fling the clay pigeons up in the air. And people go, you know what I'm talking about? I think it's called skeet shooting or something. Okay, so we're just working this all day. But I had been really busy doing Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, like for weeks. You know, and, and Carol says, we've got to do this fundraiser. And I'm saying, no. And my body is saying, no. No, I cannot do it. And future wives of America, don't drag your husband to the fundraiser because you promised somebody that they would be there if you haven't checked with them first that they're still alive from the week. I was so tired. She drugged me off. It kind of ruined our marriage for some moments. Okay, I'm still in inner healing on it. Okay. Um, I was worn out from the frenzied pace. I just needed rest. Would you like to hear tonight some of the things that God has to say in his scripture about rest and taking that exit ramp? Okay. Beautiful poetry back in the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2-2. Yeah. It says God finished all that he had created and then he took the day off. And he enjoyed everything that he saw and called very good. And is it possible that because humankind was supposedly created on the sixth day, that God set it up so that our first full day as humans on the planet, we catch a clue because he set it up, it was a day off. Human life is designed to start from a day off or a, or a position of rest and reflection and community. Not to end in utter exhaustion and collapse at the end of the week. But to start out of that moment of rest. God designed us to need rest. That's why he makes the sun go down. Yeah, in fact, I think he's trying to talk to each of us tonight about the kind of rest we need. And it's going to be slightly different for each person. And the way you rest is probably got to be different as well. 
Some things refresh you that don't refresh others. Like, I think about Mr. Seti. Joe might need to expel about 3,000 calories to rest. You know, climb a mountain or something, right? Joe, that's how you get refreshed. I need to get really cozy with my couch that is named Big Red. I love Big Red. If you were to come and lie down on Big Red, he would put you to sleep immediately. He has power. Okay. God intends us to enjoy rest. Uh, Listen to some of the reasoning that we get in this thing called the Decalogue. Uh, Exodus 20, 9 through 11. I think you probably know it by the Ten Commandments. Um, I think we got a slide, Exodus 20, uh, 9 through 11 says, Six days uh, you should work and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you should not work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant. Hmm. (laughs) I don't have servants. Anybody? Okay. Uh, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Everybody ought to rest. Six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But what did he do in the seventh? He rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, made it holy. God himself has designed us to rest. Uh, how, how many of you have children? A couple people scattered in the back. Okay. I've got this beautiful little granddaughter named Mackenzie. I just love that little girl, and she makes the funniest noises because she doesn't have words yet. She has just kind of like gurgle talk. She's three and a half months. She just bubble talk. Things just spit talk. Anyway, Mackenzie makes these funny noises, and she's either did something in her diaper, or she's hungry, or she's sleepy. And if you listen carefully, you might be able to tell. And she's just like coming discombobulated. It's a technical term. It like means she's too tired. And he's You know, she makes noises like that, and you just got to rock her. And then she goes to sleep. And I think sometimes God thinks like, oh, these silly babies. They just let me rock them. He knows that we fight going to bed. Remember as a kid, you fought going to bed? Uh-huh. Jason, are you still fighting going to bed? Okay, I'm not, okay. just saying. Maybe God's speaking to you through me. Okay. Um, how rapidly are we living our work life, you guys? Our school life. How unrestfully are we living it? Uh, if you're a normal student, you likely need to ask yourself these three questions up on the slide. Are they up there? I can't see because there's a music stand. Oh, good. Is there any time in your life where you can just stop and do nothing? Some of you do too much of this. Okay, this message is not for you. (laughs) Here's the alternative message. God demands that we study. And work really hard to bring him glory. Okay, that's your message. Okay, number two, is there a moment 
or two where everything is silent and still, like your brain has shut off finally. And you have time to actually process something. Is there enough stopping? Well, your body's at rest, your mind's at rest, and you can think through the real things, the important things that we always avoid thinking about, like that conflict or how screwed up our families are and how we wish we could help. Or our employer really isn't running the business well, and if, if we could just figure out how to talk to them, maybe it would help. There's so many things that really need to be thought about and talked about. Like, I'm in the wrong major. <laughs> what am I going to do? We need to process, and we need to slow down to have that. Um, yeah. Can I just mess with you for a minute? Uh, okay, do any of you have one of those electronic devices that is a, you can hold in your hand and, um, oh yeah, okay. Those things, uh, scientists are telling us that they're having some effects on us. Um, they're, they're labeling it screen time. And they're connecting it also to, you know, our laptops or what are those things? Uh, tablets. Uh, tel you ever heard of a television? All those things. Screens. Um, when I was a kid, I think the average screen time, because we only had TVs, was about six hours a day. And scientists say it's 11 hours a day now. And so that's five hours in front of a screen. And they're saying it does rewiring in the way we think and process things. Uh, it makes it more difficult for us to slow down and be reflective and think deeply about things. Uh, one of those really, I was disturbed by this. A guy named Tim Elmore studies young people. And he says one of the uh, research items says that uh, when we read things on a screen, we do not retain the information as much as if we read it out of a book. And it makes us think, because we can read things faster by the scrolling, that we're actually understanding it more when he says we're actually understanding it less. So we're retaining less and understanding less. The studies are showing. Oh, my gosh. We've got to get our brains back to retaining stuff. Anyway, I'm a little nervous about that as an educator myself. Um, uh, kids ages 8 to 18, most of us are just 18 or above, Kaiser Family Foundation reports uh, we're seeing a whopping seven and a half hours in front of a screen for entertainment every day. Not just work. Seven and a half hours for entertainment. Just fiddling. Netflixing. What else are we doing? Thinging. We're just, yeah, all that stuff. If you add all that up, that's 114 days a year. 114 days out of 365, we're entertaining ourselves only. Where is our productivity? Ooh, things are disturbing me. Okay, anyway, sorry. I, th I, I just wanted to mess with you because this, this is just messing with me. And the next slide talks about the consequences this kind of thing is having for our bodies, like reduced health. We are not 
healthier because we're entertaining ourselves seven and a half hours a day. And of course, I know that you guys are not doing that because you do go to class and you do study. So I know you can't get up to seven and a half hours, except maybe Jason. Um, okay. Everybody knows how much I love Jason, right? And I wouldn't pick on anybody here unless they knew that I love them, right? We're close, right, Jason? Okay, good. Anyway, um, so we have reduced health, and then we have reduced reflection. We have reduced thinking through anything time. In fact, most of us have kind of got into the habit of not thinking through things, of avoiding it. That's why we're entertaining ourselves. We don't want to think about the real things. Does anybody want to slowly nod and agree with me? Okay. Okay, there it is. And then there's this thing about sleep. This is one of my favorite studies because I am a sleep lover. They say if you really want to learn something and do well on a test, don't study the day of the test at all. Study the days before. And if you have to cram, okay, cram the day before and then sleep. Get a really good long sleep because as we sleep, the brain stores it in a really good, usable, retrievable way. When we short ourselves on sleep, it's harder to retrieve the information. Capiche? Ah. So what consequence is our addiction to screen time having for our minds? Well, science will tell, and everybody ought to go into being a thumb surgeon, too. Because you're going to need it. Okay. So where can we find rest? Where is surcease available to us? Okay. Can you just quiet your mind right now? Try. Still your body. Slow your heart. Pause. Listen to these quiet words. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. This is part of the formula that God has designed and that we in this generation are leaving out. We refuse in so many ways. We let so many distractions creep in that we do not just still ourselves and come to Jesus. He promises. This is an amazing promise. To give us the rest we need. He says, come to me if you're weary. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because I'm really gentle. And I will help you. That taking his yoke upon us. A yoke is like one of those things like a, you know, an oxen or something puts around their necks so that they can pull something that the farmer wants them to pull. We have got to yoke up with Jesus. We have got to pull together with Jesus, he's saying, because most of us are trying to go solo. We're trying to accomplish life apart from the creator. But we aren't designed to do that. No wonder we get so tired. 
We need rest for our body and our brain and our very spirit. We need to rest from going it alone. God designed us to yoke up with him. To learn from his wisdom and to allow his strength to infuse us, to navigate life. Those of us who are choosing to do life our own way, which is the American way, are living only a facsimile of the good life that God's intended for us. I'd say not even a facsimile. I'd say more like a mirage, a shadow, an illusion without substance. We're missing the good life. The creator God has designed us to live in close relationship with him. You ever been anxious? Oh, gosh. How do you get through anxiety? How do you do that? How do you process stress? Carol and I were young. We're driving through um, Seattle. And, and sometimes God can get through to us. Has he ever got through to you? I don't know how he does it. Somehow he gets into our brain or something and says, pay attention. I'm trying to. Anyway, I felt like I was supposed to go see my grandmother, who was very elderly and in a nursing home. And I knew she wasn't in great health, so we went. And, and we're in the nursing home, and, and God is telling me in my brain she's dying. <clears throat> she hasn't got any time left. She needs to know that she can have eternal peace with me. And I'm thinking, I, uh, I, uh, help. How do you talk to your grandma about something so important when she's just lying in bed and dying? And, and, and Nana Maori talks a lot. Any of your grandparents talk a lot? She was just talking and talking and talking, and I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, I, I, okay, I'm going to try to talk to her about you, but she won't shut up. <laughs> I am so anxious. I mean, it, it's beginning to appear like it's life and death to me, like i got to do something. I'm so anxious. So I just say, okay, we're going to do this together. And I just interrupt her and say, Nana Maori, would you like to know right now that when you die, you will have forever peace with God. All your sins will be forgiven. You'll live with him forever. I just interrupted her, just talked right over her. That is so rude. <laughs> and she just stopped. She looked at me and said, yes. I said, well, let's pray about it. She says, okay. I held her hand, and we just prayed. I said, Jesus, not a Maori knows. She doesn't have very long to live, and she wants to live with you forever and have peace. She wants to know that all her sins are taken care of by Jesus and that you're going to welcome her into heaven. And you could just look at her because I had my eyes open. I cheat when I pray. I only close one eye. Cheating's probably okay sometimes. And I'm just looking at her face, and you could see, like, this amazing relaxation come over her. You could just see, like, physical peace come into her body. It was, like, amazing to look at. And she just squeezed my hat, hand, and we, I said, amen. She said, thank you. And she died the next day. Ah! 
God got me through it because I yoked up with him. I partnered with him. I said, I have no clue. I am freaking out. So God got me through that, and he helped me to take the action. And isn't that often where I, our stress and anxiety comes from? Is we know we have to take action or say words, and it's hard. Let me get started. Okay. Whatever anxiety you are facing even now, Jesus wants you to know for certain. He would love to give you his peace. He would love to yoke up with you and pull the load together right now. He offers that. He wants you to take him at his word. And here's his word. John 16, Jesus said, I've spoken these words to you that in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Guaranteed. <laughs> but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Wouldn't that be a great verse to open your Bible to and just underline right now? John 16, 33. I've spoken these words to you that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Team up with the world overcomer. Why don't you just silently pray and ask him right now to give you that amazing peace to team up with you for whatever is bothering you. Finally, we come to the deepest, most refreshing uh, rest of all. This should have uh, my three points here if, if you didn't know that I had three points tonight because I didn't number them. God gives us Sabbath rest is what I've said first. And secondly, I just said Jesus reduces our anxiety by pulling the load with us. But the last one is the deepest, the most important, the most refreshing. We can have peace with God. We can have eternal peace with God. Take a look at Romans chapter 5. If, if we're going to turn there and just look at Romans 5 and then then three, and then we're going to be done. Rustling of pages, rustling, Romans 5, clicking of phones. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The way we know that things are okay between us and God is by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about that Good Friday thing coming up where Jesus dies on the cross. It's all about that uh, hanging out in the grave Saturday and rising from the dead on Sunday. When we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we begin to know forever peace with God. But some of us might not be willing to look. Let me encourage you. Why don't you just look for the next 180 seconds at Jesus? We can be made just before God by trusting, by putting our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. We're going to read Romans 3, 23 through 25, just to explain this amazing peace that Good Friday and Easter is all about. Romans 3. 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We aren't bringing God glory with our lives. 
and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Let me just coast right through this and unpack some of these big bible words. God designed you and me to bring him glory, but our culture and our personal distancing of ourselves from God isn't bringing him glory. What it's doing is we're trying to bring ourself glory, and that's what the Bible calls sin. The focus on self and our will and our way is just sin. Culture's name for it is selfishness. God loves us, though. He just so loves us and has lots of grace for us. What's grace mean? It means he does not give us what we deserve, but he gives us better than we deserve. He is a giver. He's a lover, and he actually likes us. If you read the Bible, you can see that. We're the ones who spend much of our lives ignoring him. Nonetheless, even though we're the ones ignoring him and in the wrong, he notices us every day, every minute. He loves us. And what's he do? He makes a way for us to regain our closeness with him. The word redeemed, it says we're redeemed. It's just the payment of our freedom out of the slavery to selfishness. Sacrifice. You know what sacrifices are? They used to kill animals and shed blood to worship God or to be made right with God. The Lord set that up so we'd understand the shedding of the blood of his own son was the most amazing sacrifice ever. (coughs) A once-for-all sacrifice so there'd never have to be a sacrifice again. We were redeemed out of the slavery to selfishness by the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross so that there could be atonement, which if you break it down into three words, just look at the word, at one went. Atonement is reconciling two parties that have been estranged. God wants to shorten the distance and bring us close to him through his son, Jesus. Does that sound like an amazing thing that God has figured out? Not something that we can earn, not something that we can do, not some behavior that gets him to pat us on the back and says that was good enough, but rather something very radical that actually punishes the wrongdoing and actually puts us in a state where all we can do is receive his grace, his blessing, his unearned favor. Then we're back to relating to God the way we were always designed to. So, In conclusion, we need to ask ourselves on this last slide, what kind of rest do I need? What do you need tonight? Freedom from the tyranny of the screen? Freedom from the tyranny of the pace? Freedom from the tyranny of trying to do it all by yourself? Do you just need rest from the anxieties of life, from the stressors you face? Need to yoke up with Jesus? Need rest from the disgrace of sin? From the distance with God? What do you need? God wishes to give whatever you need tonight. Guys, God's really pleased when we do real business with him. So just do real business. Talk truly with him. Whatever you need. Just be real with yourself. So uh, just pray silently for a few seconds. Then I'll, I'll close this in prayer. Tell him what you need.
We can have the worship team come. Dear God, you know that we are really prone to distractions. You know that we're really tempted to not rest and never think, not deal with the real issues. You know that about us, and so thank you for making such a startling, remarkable statement in history 2,000 years ago that you care deeply about us anyway, even though we distance ourselves from you, even though we ignore you. God, tonight in this Easter season, we pray that you grant us the freedom we need, that we learn to yoke ourselves to your son Jesus, to pull together through the difficulties of life. God, for anybody who maybe be a a farther away from you and has never trusted you fully to take away their sin and disgrace and bring you into their family, into your family of salvation tonight. Just pray you'd give them the grace, the help, just to say, okay, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I'm going to trust Jesus. Help us, Lord, to just enjoy worshiping you tonight. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>